0: Praise Jesus. Hey, uh, Wednesday nights, I wanted to say a little bit about that. You know, we are doing, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist with uh, Dr. Frank Turek on video, and it's been a blast. We're about halfway through it. In fact, we are exactly halfway through it. Um, So we meet at 645 and have a little time of refreshment and fellowship, and then at seven o'clock it starts, lasts about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, something like that. And, um, We've we've previously covered things like does truth exist. We just finished uh, does God exist. So we're starting on are miracles possible this week, and uh, that's a that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll we'll get into that. And this is to educate you, but it's also to equip you to be able to share more effectively with those around you that don't know the Lord or maybe they're they just don't have the the, the fullness of understanding yet that you guys do. So uh, anyway, it'd really be, uh, be great. If you want to jump in right now, you can. Uh, you'll, you'll miss some things, but we have study books and we have textbooks, but yet you, you'll you be able to start fresh with the understanding that we'll be going from here on out. So uh, just want to encourage you to take advantage of that. Um. After all, you know, getting the last half is better than not anything at all, so amen. Okay, let's see what we have here this morning on this list. A a stats, you know, statistician, stats professor plans to travel to a conference by plane. When he passes a security check, they discover a bomb in his carry-on package. Of course, he's hauled off immediately for interrogation. I don't understand it. The interrogating officer exclaims, you're an accomplished professional, a caring family man, a pillar of your parish, and now you want to destroy all that by blowing up an airplane? Sorry, the professor interrupts. I had never intended to blow up a plane. So for what reason did you try to bring a bomb on board? Let me explain. Statistics shows that the probability of a bomb being brought on an airplane is one in a thousand. That's quite high if you think about it, so high that I wouldn't have any peace of mind on a flight. And what does this have to do with you bringing a bomb on board of the plane? Well, you see, since the probability of one bomb being on the plane is one in a thousand, the chance that there are two bombs is one in a million. If I already already bring one, the chance of another bomb being around is actually one in a millionth, and I'm much safer. That's... Academia gone to seed. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We appreciate you. We welcome you to the fullest. Father, we, we know you're doing great things in church of tomorrow. We know that you're doing great things in all of our lives. Your desire is that we all become saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And we're learning your knowledge, your truth as you lead us by Holy Spirit to take us through each and every day of our lives, even our thoughts, you're implanting things in us that we need so we can draw closer to you, things that we need so we can walk the joyful life, things that we need so that we can be the salt and light to the community around us. We give you the glory and the praise, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten us today as only you can you're the one that wrote the word. You're the one who knows it best. And we receive from you in the name of Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we've been talking the last several weeks, three weeks, as a matter of fact, the synergy of the ages. And we've talked about how God is not just a generational God of what's on the earth today, but He's a generational God from centuries past and centuries far. If they do come, <laughs> if we have four centuries, if Jesus tarries. So um, it's it's important that we understand that God wants to fulfill promises that he's made to previous people through us, and he wants to establish his promises in us that will not be fulfilled until later on. It's the way he works. But, you know, it's like uh, my wife, I remember telling my mom one time, uh, my mother, Prayed for all the family members to be born again uh, on a regular basis. Can't resist mom's prayers, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and my wife said one day, my mother's a little concerned about a couple of people in the family that weren't yet saved. My mom goes uh, to my, my wife, you know, well, um, we, um, you know, I just, just really wish I could see them get saved. And it's really interesting, my wife goes, well, one thing about it, even if you pass before they get saved, your prayers will still be here no matter where you are. And so those prayers are still going forth, praise God, still being effectual. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, puts much power to work. And so that's, that's what your prayers are doing today, Uh, for today and for tomorrow, the things tomorrow. So we're going to kind of bounce off those last several messages and uh, we're going to do kind of a little bit of a roundup. I'm going to overlap some things with last week intentionally. Um, I've got this message titled, Four Keys to Unlocking Synergy. And it's not just synergy of the generations, but it's synergy of everything that God's doing today. And it starts with you as an individual, and each one of us is an individual to God, has a certain uh, opportunity with God, a certain responsibility with God, and and, uh, God's doing great things in your life if you'll just let Him, amen? So we're going to start off with a verse that we've read a couple of times before last week's Acts 9.31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit or comforted by the Holy Spirit, as other translations read. And the church increased in numbers. And so we talked about the fear of God, reverential respect, and then we talked about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I, wanna, I want you to l- listen to and key in on four words today. And so uh, these are not points. These are words, okay? And each word, as you unlock it today, as you're listening to the Holy Spirit, and unlock it through the week, it gives you a significance that the pondering of the Word of God and each word is impacted uh, and then we're going to open it up and expand it and, and catch a lot of the things. You're going to get some things this week, if you'll meditate and ponder on these words, that you, you're not going to necessarily hear today. God will. God has more. Yeah. He has more. He's bigger than today. He's bigger than a word or two. But these are four key words in our lives to growing with Jesus, I do believe. Um, and we talked about the vine and the branches last week, and I want to go back over some things there in a little bit different perspective. So we're going to go to John chapter 15. Uh, John chapter 15 is uh, just right before Jesus uh, goes to the cross. So he's saying, he's saying his final words in John 15, 16, 17 to his disciples so that uh, they'll have the last words be the best words, be the effective words in their lives. John 15, 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine. And the fact that he put true in there must mean that there are other vines. Uh, I know yesterday, I, God helps me with some yard work. Uh, we have a, a, a bush that's kind of like a small tree, and it's got this other vine in with it with thorns on it. Yes. Isn't that just like the devil? trying to take a pretty bush and trying to make something bad out of it? Well, Jesus is the true vine. And we need to take authority over the enemy. He's already given it to us. And we need to be able to exercise the authority of the kingdom of God over the enemy in all the facets of our lives and our loved ones' lives. I am the true vine, Jesus said. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes excuse me every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you are already clean because of the word i have spoken to you remain in me as i also remain in you no branch can bear fruit of itself no branch can bear fruit of itself no branch can bear fruit of itself. No of itself. It must remain in the vine. Yes. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Right. That word remain, we said uh, last week that it's the Greek word meno, a primary verb to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. Your first word is remain. Remain. We must remain in Jesus. He will remain in us, but are we going to allow him to control us, or are we going to control ourselves? Who's better at the control switches? Ask Adam and Eve. They, They have a revelation now one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest, probably is the biggest. I hate to say something's the biggest for sure, but it's that we want to be God. We don't want God to be God in our lives. We want to be God. Now, we want to know God, and we want to have his blessings, but the problem of it is is that we oftentimes actually want to be God. Now, when I start reading this Uh, I see that it talks about two things. One of two things can happen to the branches. One is that you're cut off and you're thrown into a pile over here, as we're going to read, and it's just burned because it's worthless. The other is that you are pruned. Now, if you ask me, neither one of those sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) You know, if you're cut off... You did, if and I don't believe that that verse is talking about that you go to hell. It's just saying that your works will be burned up because they're works of the flesh. That's my interpretation. Uh, if you think something differently, we'll go for it. But I, I think that's what it's talking about there. We don't get out of this thing any other way than believing out. Well, I sinned. That's right, and you have an advocate with the Father. And he has forgiven your sins. And you need to confess your sins, but he is faithful. He is faithful even when you're not. Even when I'm not, he's faithful. And he will forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. We don't need to be bound to things that we've done because Jesus has set us free And he walks forgiving us because why? He wants to love on us. And if we're like this afraid of him, we should respect him. This is not a free grace message. It's not sloppy agape. Well, I just might as well go ahead and sit. Oh, you're trying to be God again, aren't you? (laughs) See, see, we, we just need to get a balanced way of looking at the Scriptures and what God has given us. If I'm bound by my past sins all day long, how, what kind of good am I going to be to the kingdom of God? Yeah. See, I'm free from sin. Yes. Are you? Jesus has made you free from sin. Yes. If He lives in your heart, if He's the Lord of your life, He's He's your boss and not you, your boss. You're forgiven. Yeah. If you mess up, guess what? You ain't perfect. Right. <laughs> Oh, praise God. I'm looking at some real funny faces right now. <laughs> oh. But see, we don't take it off the other side of the road by saying, well, i just go out and do what I want to do, and I'll just ask God to forgive me, and he'll forgive me, and I'll be okay. And that's... No, that's not the perspective that we need to have. And if you've got an addiction that keeps pulling in, pulling in, pulling in, we have the word of counseling and deliverance for you. Praise God. And we'll walk through that with you. Praise God. The first words remain. We've got to remain in the vine. That just means that we are not trying to do things ourselves, but we're allowing him to do things through us. It's not what I do or don't do. It's how I yield to the Lord or not. Will I allow him to get things through me? He wants to get things to me that he can get things through me. He wants to, he has, I'll just tell you a story. Can I confess my weaknesses? Is that okay? Well, three of you, gonna listen, the rest of you just, you know. Last night I go to bed and I go, Lord, I need to be bailed out. I'm not sure about this message tomorrow. And I say that a lot of Saturday nights. See, I don't study on something for years, particularly for a message. I study on lots of things so that I have a reservoir to be able to draw from. But then God puts things in place for you, and I get to hear it first. But sometimes I don't hear it as fast as I want to hear it. And that's on me. We serve fresh meat yeah. Hallelujah. I wake up this morning, and the Lord is talking to me so fast i'm going, hold on a minute i want I want to write this down i don't want to lose it, I want to get it, you know, and it was just like rivers flowing into me f- from heaven, yeah. and it's like all of this is just so good, and I'm so confident now that I can go and I won't get any rotten tomatoes or raw eggs thrown at me, (laughs) even from Tim. You know, he's in the front row up here. Joking, of course. Now, Kelly, he probably would, you know, but he's just trying to wake me up, you know. (laughs) But the truth of it is, I'm counting and trusting on him. And it's not how eloquent I speak. As you know, I don't polish my language a lot. I spend time on other things because I want to speak to your heart, not to your academia head. But we're going to get into some things that a lot of places want that are a little deeper, but we want to do it in a meaningful way. Jesus talked in real deep subjects using little words that you and I can understand. That's what it's about. I'm not here to show you how much theology I have studied, and how great I can wax, as the Old Testament would, or excuse me, the King James would say. He waxed eloquently. Well, if that happens, that's Jesus' fault, not mine, because I'm not too eloquent. But in subject, I want to be everything that you need. I want to be able to put that whole entire dinner right before you, come to the banquet of the Lord, and eat fresh meat. No, we don't serve too much milk. We do a little because that's necessary. But we want to serve fresh meat, something that sticks to your bones, as my dad used to say. Yeah, we want to have this meal because it sticks to your bones. It's with you. You can enjoy it. And that's what we're talking about today. The first word is remain. Remain is a great word. And out of that The meaning that W.E. Vines gives us, one of the words that he used as a synonym in the the Greek is expectancy. That's the second word, expectancy. We should live an expectant life. Jesus, what are you going to do next? I was asking Jesus, how are you going to do this tomorrow? (laughs) How are you going to do it? People come expecting something. I know they do, and I want to make sure that they get what they want plus some things that they may not want but they need. (laughs) When I was in the car business years ago, I told my salesman, I said, we don't necessarily want to sell people a car that they want. We need to sell them one they need. There's a difference because I don't want them coming back in 90 days not happy with that car, wanting to trade on another car because they can't afford to do that. So we want to make sure that we look and counsel according to their needs and not just their wants. I'll tell you a little story about that. How many of you remember what a Pinto was? Quite a few, praise God. Pinto was a little car that Ford made. And back in the first gas shortage, back in the 70s, people were coming in, they want to trade their Cadillac in on a Pinto and all this kind of stuff. It was just ridiculous. You know, you've been driving a Cadillac and you want to drive a Pinto, you're going to be miserable in 90 days. Why don't we just get some, let's just take you in a little smaller car, get better mileage. Don't go for the, the very top mileage producer. I had a family come in one time. They wanted a Pinto station wagon for their family. Father, mother, three kids. I said, well, uh, have you, How well have you thought this through? Well, we want better gas mileage. I said, okay, that's great. We're going to get you something with better gas mileage. Uh, What else have you thought about? Well, we just want better gas mileage. And I said, okay, have you uh, actually looked at a Pinto? And uh, they said, well, yeah, we've looked at them. I said, have you driven one? They said, well, not really. I said, let's go drive one. And so, by the way, I'm going with you. Put the other kid in the back. Okay, now a lot of you cringe because today that's against the law, but back then it wasn't. So we have mama, and daddy and a, a kid or two, I can't remember exactly, anyway, and I sat there and then there's one in the back. And we stop at a red light and I go, you know, just thinking, somebody wouldn't pay any attention and ran in the back of you, that child in the back, they don't have any defense, That hit mama pretty hard. Dad wasn't going to admit it. He overlooked something. So anyway, to make a long story shorter, we went back and they bought a Grand Torino, which is intermediate-sized car. Because I showed them what it would be like in their family, especially if they had one more person to ride in there. See, they wanted the best gas mileage, but they weren't willing to sacrifice a child to get it. That's what it boils down to. So they got a car that had much better gas mileage than what they had, but they didn't have to sacrifice a child to be able to do that because in a Grand Trino it was six-passenger. Praise God. And that's the way that we do a lot of times with the Lord. We, we just tell Him what we want rather than listen to what He says. Father knows best. Somebody ought to come up with a TV show for that. Remain, expectancy. Verse 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, if you do not keep your expectancy in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned, not being cut off or being pruned. Neither one of them sounds sweet to me. But one is certainly the plan of God being pruned, of course. So let's expect the one what the one that he wants is, not what I would choose, not for me. What is good for me? You know, I don't know nearly as well what is good for me as my Heavenly Father does. And he cares more about me than I can ever care about me. So just, you know, from a practical standpoint, yield. Hallelujah. Expect... Remain in Him, expect in Him. Why should we remain in Him? Because if we don't remain in Him, if we're disconnected, we may be still a Christian, but if we're not connected on an ongoing, never-ceasing basis, then guess what? We're not remaining in Him, we just know about Him. And we've got that life insurance policy, but we don't have the things that He wants to do in our lives on a daily basis. Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, my words remain in you, my words have an expectancy the building in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. and see what we want to do is oh, just ask whatever you wish it'll be done for you that's not what he's saying he's saying, if you remain in him, if you're getting your thoughts, your wishes, your desires from him ask whatever you want and you'll get it. But if you're getting it from uh, the arm of the flesh and the TV set or the internet or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Then you ask something, you don't get it. Well, God didn't do it. He didn't give me that brand new Lamborghini. No, because you'd go out and kill yourself the first day probably. (laughs) I'm I'm being extreme here, but I'm making a point though that you understand that what we need is to let God show us what we need. (laughs) And it's so much better when I flow with the Holy Spirit rather than try to make up my own game plan. My game plan may be a really good sounding game plan and it looks good. Oh, yes, yes. But is it good? Let's let the Father be the judge of that. Let the Holy Spirit, Jesus said He'd teach you everything you need to know. Why should I do it any other way? You got a preacher, Brother Dan, okay. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory. One way that we bring glory to God is remaining in Him, expecting Him, and letting Him do what He wants to in us. As we ask, we shall receive. You got it? Ask, and you'll receive. If you're remaining in Him, if you have an expectancy from Him, He will do what He said He would do. We oftentimes put extra words in there. Well, just whatever you want, just ask Jesus. There's a new poll out. How many people expect God to hear your prayer and to intervene in your behalf? You know that that percentage is lower now than it's been since they've been recording these things? Basically about half of the Christians half of the Christians, half of them don't believe he'll intervene in your behalf. Excuse me, half of the other half, a quarter, will believe that he won't act in your behalf. And the first quarter doesn't believe he listens to your prayers at all. You call yourself a Christian? That's like me calling myself a rocket scientist. Good luck with that one, dude. (laughs) You want to get my rocket ship? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm not sure about the liftoff. We may have a little problem there, but you know, you don't get in my rocket ship, go ahead. You don't get in your rocket ship, same thing. Let's get in the one that God builds. He'll take us to heaven in due time. (laughs) Oh, man. God gets glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. A converted Christian doesn't necessarily show much fruit. It's a converted Christian who's a disciple of God. It's the time does it. How many people have you seen on TV or the internet or read about it, that maybe a star, an athlete, or a singer, or somebody on Broadway or Hollywood, and they get born again and they love Jesus. And two weeks later, you hear about them going out and getting drunk and using drugs and shacked up and everything else. <coughs> they haven't been discipled. It's not fair to them to make a public example of people like that until they're discipled. Big difference still waters run deep. Most of you have heard my testimony. Just a part of it is, you know, my wife was a really good Catholic. I was a really good heathen. And I mean, I did it all for Dan, you know. Oh, yep, working for my wife and my kids. Yeah. And my wife saw me get saved Then my wife saw me get spirit-filled, and I'll be honest with you, I was a little crazy to the world when I first got spirit-filled. There wasn't anything holding me back. She thought, oh, it's a fad. Ninety days later, he'll be through it. Ninety days later, you thought I was crazy then, you ought to see me now. And she thought, you know, there's something to this Christian walk. And then my sons, both of them got saved when they were nine and 12. And then my wife, I was an associate pastor at a church. The pastor says, Dan, I need you and your wife to be the children's pastors. I said, Whoa, wait, wait a minute. He said, No, I really need somebody consistent. So we took it for a year. And my wife started teaching the four and five year olds. And as she went through the curriculum, she got saved. Praise God. God has a way of working all things together for the good of those who love him but are called according to his purpose. As long as we'll just yield a little bit. I could have got saved 20-something years earlier. Been a whole lot smarter on my part. But what the heck, I get to live forever now, so I'm not worried about it. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting. I kind of look at this in John 15 as grapevine okay? Uh, the branches and the vines, and the true vine, and a grapevine just runs all over the place in every which direction. That's the way Christians do. <laughs> uh, but we touch, we touch each other's lives. And uh, not everybody, not every Christian is as square as the way you are, okay? Anyway, Romans 11, Paul talks a little bit there about engrafted olive trees, It's a little different than a grapevine, but he talks about that, about how that Israel was the olive tree coming from the roots of Jesus, and then how they didn't do what they were supposed to do, and you can read this. I'm not going to go through and read Romans 11 today, so you can go through and see it. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. You know what they were supposed to do? They were supposed to live by faith. Everybody misses it. Oh, they did this and they did that and they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And they, oh, God, it was the just shall live by faith. That's in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And what about the father of their faith is the same father of their faith that he is of our faith. His name is Abraham, the father of our faith. So, Abraham was to, supposed to be the example of how they were supposed to live by faith. And the Jewish people live by works. you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to wash up your, you know, you're getting ready to eat, you wash up to the top of your elbows. I mean, they added stuff. But they were looking at what they did, not who they were. They were God's chosen people. They had a special anointing upon them to be the examples of what Yahweh would do. And people today, that's the reason God wants us to be disciples, so we can show people by faith. And that's the reason that I love to teach in times that you know how to stand in times of adversity. Because when adversity comes along, and it will come along, Jesus said it would, and you will have tribulation. In times of adversity, you go, oh, yeah, well, this too shall pass. Oh, well, this too will pass. I don't care. Blow me away. Make my day I'll have to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And really mean it by faith. And not to be so tied up on, you know, this and that and that and this. Oh, you said the wrong word. That word isn't faith. We get so tied up on the little stuff that we overlook the stuff that counts that really means something. And that's what we need to realize. The just shall live by faith. And not just talk about it, but live it. And I don't mean some kind of way out there crazy deal. I'm talking about what the Word says. And that's our guidance point. That's our owner's manual. That's the hand plan. That's the the architectural study that gives us what to live by. And Jesus Wants to be a part of our daily lives, second by second, because he loves us so much. It, we matter to him so much. And he wants to be involved in our lives. It's like heaven on earth. And the old hymn, He walks with me and talks with me along life's a narrow way. Yeah. So I don't care if that is a narrow road or a wide road, whatever, because I'm going to be right here with Jesus all the time. And when I'm with him and I'm wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up with Jesus, it's going to be cool, man. And that's the way that he wants it to be. He doesn't want this religiosity on us that, Oh, dear God, help me through the day. Oh, dear God, I don't know what I'm going to do. As one woman prophesied many years ago in West Texas, Oh, Lord, I know this sometimes you're scared because I'm scared too. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> wrong God. <laughs> Back around, uh, around 1900, France had disease hit their vineyards and all these uh, grape vines were dying and they didn't know what to do and they, somebody finally figured it out. you know what they did? they imported the roots from California vines that were not deterred by this disease at the time in France. And then they engrafted the French grape branches onto the California roots. And you know what that did? That gave them stability because the roots were right. They used the right roots Our roots run deep in Jesus, praise God. He is the right roots. He's the right, He's the vine, the essence of the vine itself. And then He engrafted us on top of it. And the Jewish people, all they have to do is get saved just like you and me. Praise God for Israel. The beginning was good, and Jesus is in in the root system. We've been engrafted. He's the, brand, uh, the vine. We're the branches. We're in Him. He's in us. We remain in Him. He remains in us, of course. We expect in Him. Can we give Him an opportunity to expect something in us? Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands, you will remain, be expectant in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain or be expectant in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete or full. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Oh, wow. And we want to be concerned about the Ten Commandments? If we love each other we can throw the Ten Commandments out the door because we're going to be living above them by grace. You're my friends if you do what I command. Oh, Jesus is saying, what friends? Hmm. I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. And that was speaking about uh, that Jesus, as the Son of Man, heard from his Father. He shared those things with his disciples. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might might, might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. There's where the synergy of ages comes in. I love what went before me and I love what goes after me. As well as all of you lovely people. And I say that with true respect. It's a loving church. I don't care if half of them are gone today having a holiday. That's fine. Right. Praise God. <laughs> Lavon's in the Carolinas. I might sing her a song when she gets back about Carolinas. <laughs> She'll never go again. (laughs) I just look at the wonders of God the Father and what Jesus is saying about the Father. If your fruit remains and grows and multiplies as it should, if we're remaining in him and expecting in him, then you ask what you should and you will get it. Because then your requests are sanctified. They're set apart for the glory of God and not for your old selfish backside. (laughs) Now God wants you to have good stuff and this and that and everything else. But you know, we don't need to take that to extremes. What we need to do is take the plan of the Father. How many of us get up in the morning and say, Father, what do you have for me today? What is there you want to talk to me about me? How can I present myself to you? Thank you for calling me your friend, friend of God, friend of God. Ah, That's what he called Abraham. Oh, that's the guy you said a while ago, said live by faith. Okay, got it. <clears throat> number three word. We've, we've said remain. We've said expect it. Number three, beloved. We're no longer servants to our Father. We're His friends. Friends give each other what they ask for. Friends lay down their lives for their friends. Maybe we use that word too lightly. Maybe we don't use it like we should. I'm glad I've got a lot of friends in here got a friend in Jesus no matter what. And I've got some sweet people that I can congregate with on Sunday mornings and other times, any other time. And I praise God for that. This is not a church where you come in and get your 35 or 60 minutes or whatever and go get lost for the rest of the week. Ring the bell. We'll be there. Christian life is so exciting and we make it so frivolous. Oh yeah. I just love Jesus. I was telling Kelly this morning about somebody that's been here a couple of times and he said he didn't like our music. And I said, what kind of music do you like? And he came out of a really big church in Oklahoma City. It's got a praise band and everything. Didn't like their music either. And, you know, I kept asking him questions and he wasn't real sure what kind of music he really did like. And I said, well, where's God called you to? I hadn't thought about that. That's the reason when somebody said, I want to be a missionary in the Congo. Well, if God calls you to be a missionary in Congo, you'll love it. And if he doesn't, you better not go. He'll be miserable. <laughs> Drums start beating, you go, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Yeah, kind of culture shock, but that's just the start. Wait till you see the toilet. Jesus said, In verse 18, he talks about the world hating disciples. Let's read, we're starting with verse 18, John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. Servants are not greater than their master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. I don't want anybody saying anything about me and canceling me. Well, honey, if yours is the kingdom of God, that's going to happen. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who is sent me. We can't get all infuriated with the world. They don't know any better. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they've done. He didn't expect them to go, oh, Jesus, because they didn't know him. They were part of a crowd mentality. We've got a little bit of a crowd mentality sometimes in the U.S. Yeah. Hmm. You reckon they're saved? They may be some of them, but they've got a worldview that's not biblical. They've got a worldview about themselves or about not loving each other or a bunch of other things we could talk about some other time. Verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Those who hate me hate my Father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father But to this is to fulfill what was written in their law. They hated me without reason. (sighs) Jesus was hated for no reason. It's the reason that only about 4% of all Christians in the United States that have a biblical worldview, and they wonder how come they get along with the world so well. because they're in it and they're of it. That's their mindset. They have not been transformed by the renewing of their mind. They are not disciples of Jesus. They just bought the fire insurance policy. How sad. Folks, there are a lot of unchurched, born-again people in the community. They're not disciples of Christ. They are They know about him, and they've had an experience maybe with him. Those people need to be reached. They need to be in a church that serves fresh meat. They need to be in a church that loves them, cares for them, and wants to encourage and build them, and that's what we try to do here. We think you are worth it. You know why? Because Jesus does. <laughs> and we agree with Jesus. Praise God. We want to be, you know, the Bible says to be at peace, everyone, as much as is possible. As much as is possible. So we should be peacemakers. But the truth of the matter is, this whole thing is a matter of basically remaining, expecting, and knowing that we are his beloved. We are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. Jesus was hated without a reason. He is hated today without a reason. Then he brings in the work of the Holy Spirit in verse 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send you to the, from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So he gave that commandment to the apostles, and the apostles have passed it on to us through the years, through the ages. Another reason that God wants us to realize the synergy of the ages it's part of his plan. Those people he just talked about, well, let me back up a little bit. He said they're without excuse. Do you realize this is basically what Paul said in Romans 1, looking at the, the creation, that people are without excuse for Jesus Let's jump over to uh, the next chapter, chapter 16, verse 1. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away, that you will not fall away. I told you. They will put you out of the synagogues. In fact, the hour is coming when those who kill you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Now, we, we can look at this internationally and see it really easily manifesting. Just go to a Middle Eastern country that's Islamic. And they think they're serving God, but they don't know Him. Because Allah is not God, it's a false God, it's not the real God. Verse 3. They will do such things because they have not known the Father and me. I have told you this so that when their hour comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away Unless I go away the advocate will not come to you. We've preached that in the Holy Spirit message messages many times. But if I go I will send him to you. When he comes he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And the world's still wrong about it. About sin because people do not believe in me. That's the sin that sends anybody to hell is not believing upon Jesus Christ. trusting in him. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The devil is defeated. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. You don't have to listen to a prophecy teacher necessarily. The Holy Spirit will tell you everything you need to know in the future. He will glorify me because it is from me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. You are his beloved. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. We could have put this in the Holy Spirit message as part 19. We haven't done 19 yet. We've just done 18 of them. Holiness. When the vine is holy, the branches are holy. Not in your own holiness, but because of the branch or because of the vine. You're the branch. Guess what the fruit does? The fruit sits there. Why? Because the roots are feeding it. We want to be fruit inspectors, we need to be root inspectors. Where is your teaching of the Bible coming from? The Bible or something somebody told you about the Bible? Or something that you hear somebody talk about? The Word. So important to God, that's what he called Jesus to. The Word made him manifest in flesh. This church stands on the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. The Word and the Spirit agree. (laughs) Holiness. Well, that's that old fashioned word. That's religion you're talking about. I'm talking about my Father. I'm talking about being the beloved. I remain in Him. I expect Him to take care of me. I am His beloved. You are His beloved. You're the, you're the apple of his eye, it says. The Old Testament is full of the word beloved, brought about, I guess I could say, to naught because of lack of faith, which Hebrew says turned into unbelief. We've been given an opportunity being engrafted into the vine that we as Christians may grow and be what God wants us to do, but Romans 11 also warns us that the one who engrafted us in can also take us out and graft back in the original ones. So we do this with all humility and all honor and praise and glory to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the soon coming Lord, That's him. He's the one that's worthy. He's the one that's done it for us. He's the one that died in our place. He's the one that rose again, praise God. And he's the one that sent Holy Spirit to us, to live in us, to dwell in us, to lead us and guide us and teach us and empower us and giving everything that we need to know, teach us all things that need to come and wrap his arms around us and love us and love us because why? We are his beloved. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We'll, we'll close with um, one verse in the fourth word. Remember, our first word is remain. Everybody say remain. Second word is expectant. Third world word. Beloved. The fourth one's faith. Faith. Romans 10 17. Last verse. Faith comes from hearing the message. This is the NIV, and I love what it, what it says here. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Glory to God. Faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is the word about Jesus The message of Christ. If you've got a financial issue, study what Jesus said about finances. He said more about money than he did heaven. recorded in the Bible. If you need healing, look at what Jesus did. Jesus, who was anointed of the Holy Spirit, who went about healing all that were oppressed of the enemy. The Spirit of God was with him. Heal all the sick that wanted it. There's a few of them that didn't get it because of their unbelief, Mark chapter 4. So the reality of this is Jesus gives us everything that we need. Are we willing to accept it? And the ingredient that he's given us is called faith. It's by God's grace through faith that we believe. By God's grace. What did Paul do? He said, you Galatians... You guys, you've lost it here. You were born again by the Spirit, but now you want to improve by the works of your flesh? Nah, dude. It doesn't fly that way. You're born of the Spirit. You're going to grow by the Spirit. Not flesh. Oh, you know what I'm going to do for God? Food <laughs> That smells. No. What is God going to do through you? I don't have great faith in God. I tell you what, I do have, though. I've got faith in a great God. It's all about Him, not me. As you know, unless you came in a little late, we kind of flip-flop things today. We kind of did a. Turn up and down because I want to end this service a special way. We're going to do our worship segment now. And this worship segment, let's do three things. First of all, let's just talk to Daddy. Let's talk to our Father God. Let's ask Him some things. Let's let Him say some things to you individually. And then let us bring glory to Him and to His Son, Jesus Christ. Let us thank Him. Let us give Him praise and honor. And then number three, if you need to love on somebody else, go to them. You need to share a word with them, share a word. If you want to give them encouragement or pray for their healing or whatever, if you need something, grab somebody's hand, grab somebody's arm, pray with them. Let them Know that they're loved and they're cared for. We want this to be a time where Holy Spirit does whatever He wants to do. So we're going to take about twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, maybe longer. If you, you know, some people may want to stay here all day. I don't no, don't care. Just let God lead you, guide you. Let the Father show you. Let Holy Spirit take you by the hand. And like we said a while ago, walk with you, talk with you. Remember Adam walked and Eve walked in the garden in the morning? It was cool. It's cool inside. If you want to walk around the room with Jesus, that's fine. This, this is no formal thing. This is whatever your heart as expressing the fact that you are His beloved. And it, if you've got sin in your life, confess it to him. Whew, it's gone. He's got a big delete button. I know. <laughs> he got a big delete button. Hey, wipe the hard drive, plumb, smooth, clean on you, if that's what you need. So would you stand with me, and we're going to let the worship group come up and lead us in worship. This is one song, and it's, a, it's an opportunity to just express your thoughts, and your cares to Jesus Christ.